tonight to hymn number one. And number one, we'll sing the first and last verses of My Savior's Love. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus
ask you to stand, shake hands with one another while our choir is dismissing. To God be the glory for the things he has done. How can I say thanks for the things you
God be the glory. Amen? All right. If you are visiting with us here at Central Baptist for the first time, I'd like to get you to raise your hand nice and big. Any first-time visitors? Our ushers are back here in the back, and they're going to come to you with a visitor card. If you would just fill that card out and then drop it in the offering plate, we certainly would appreciate that. And we're so glad that you visited our church today. I do have a couple of announcements for you. Sisters of Grace Ladies Fellowship will be meeting this coming Thursday night at 630 uh, back in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet there. You'll want to sign up for that and uh, sign up for the refreshments and, and different things. And uh, you'll make sure you want to attend that. It'll be a good time for you ladies. And then Father's Day is only two weeks away. I know that sounds like, man, things are happening so fast, uh, but that's the way life is, amen? Uh, Father's Day is two weeks uh, away. Vacation Bible School is two weeks away. Uh, June 20th, 21st, and 22nd, if you are a teacher, bus driver, whatever you do here, we need you here during those, those times. Um, we'll be having meetings during the... Um, uh, Sunday school teachers meetings to go over that with you all the plans like we always do so get ready and prepare for that and uh, be praying that God will see uh, many many folks saved during that time uh, we have folks saved every year and we want this to be just the same as it always has been uh, we don't just get together for a good time we get together to give the gospel amen uh, so please be praying toward that end, towards that end and then teen camp is only five weeks away. Uh, teen camp is five weeks away. When we started talking about teen camp in, in January, you thought, man, that'll never get here. But it's only five weeks away. And then also we're going to be having what we're calling a 4th of July CBC Family Fellowship Extravaganza Cookout Fun Time. But we're actually going to do it on July 2nd. Uh, that is a Saturday, but in honor of 4th of July. Um, we're going to be doing that at 1 o'clock on Saturday. There's going to be a lot of games being played, hamburgers, hot dogs, and all the things that go along with that. Uh, so you'll want to make sure uh, that you get signed up for that as well. We'll have a sign-up sheet for that next week out there. Good to see you this morning. Please take your hymn book out and turn to hymn number 24. Hymn number 24, please stand and join me in singing the first verse of the next time he comes. From the lofty courts of heaven came a bud on earth to bloom. Knowing when he left his father that his fate would be the tomb. But the grave, it could not hold him. Angels rolled the stone away, nor the mighty rose of Sharon is still blooming yet today. But the next time he comes, he won't have to die for me. The next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. The next Come. Uh, 
Pray for those that are sick. We have a number of folks that are out sick, as you can see, as you look around, a lot of empty places. And um, also one of the one of the ladies from from uh, the towers down here that we bring for uh, services here on Sunday morning. Uh, she began to have chest pains, and so that was why a lot of people were scurrying around, and they were trying to uh, take care of her and get her um, help. So uh, remember her in prayer, and uh, also in a few moments we're going to be recognizing our graduates and having a processional for them, and, and uh, so we're dedicating this whole service to uh, honor our graduates today. All right, let's bow our heads now, look to the Lord in prayer, and ask his blessings on the offering, and do pray for those that are sick, those who are not able to be with us here, here today. Uh, Brother Carnes, would you lead us in prayer? Amen. Stand as our graduates come in. Seems like I just did this. Um.
What a fast year. This is always hard. It's a hard day for me. Um, I spent four years with these crazy kids, and, and you feel like you're losing some of your own kids. But um, this year we've got more than three, but only three are here today. We have three young ladies who are not going to be here, but um, so we have six total graduates. Um, we're going to start on the end with Isaiah Hernandez. Isaiah has been, um, man, just a great kid to have in my class over the last four years. Um, Isaiah, if you'll come up and kind of just tell them what your plans are. Hello, I'm Isaiah Hernandez. I finished from Summerlin and Bartow High. My dream is to head to the Army after high school, and that's all. Hunter Counts. My name is Hunter Counts. I'm, I graduated from New Beginnings High School in Fort Meade. I want to join the Army when I, when I get out of school. Jacob Leopard. I graduated from Moist Christian Academy, and after high school, I plan to go to college to become an accountant. Every year, I say the same thing to our, our graduates. Uh, high school graduation is a big deal in these, these kids' lives, but they're graduating high school, and I always try to teach them, you're not graduating from church. Um, we lose our, our teenagers at a rate that... Uh, it's just terrible, and our kids nowadays have a lot, lot they face. Um, but we love them very, very much, and we're so proud of each and every one of you. strong can come to him 
Open your Bibles to Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 1. Several years ago, I was reading through the book of Exodus, and uh, sometimes I will take a commentary that I will use as I'm reading and then see what the person that has, has written the commentary, what they've got to say about it. And and I remember um, in concerning here when the Israelites were crossing the Jordan River and there was a statement in there that, that I, in fact, I, I wrote it down and, and I've uh, I always remembered that. And uh, he, he said in this, in this, in his commentary on this situation, he said, uh, he made the statement, you need an ark for the river. You need an ark for the river. Now the ark here, this is not Noah's ark. This is a smaller ark. And it was the one that was in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. And as the uh, Israelites are getting ready to go into the promised land, as the new land, there, this ark, they were taking this ark with them, of course, and then, and actually leading the way with the ark. This ark, you, you may remember, remember this, the ark represented the presence of God. In the tabernacle, in the daytime, there'd be a cloud over that place where that ark was uh, to signify to the, to the Jews that, that God was there. This was his presence, represented his presence. And at night, it was a pillar of fire over that, that ark. And 
And, uh, and, and always that ark represented the presence of God. God's here. God's here. Even when uh, it was in, in the uh, home of some after the Philistines had taken it, uh, it was, it, the, the reference was made, God's here. God's here in this house. God's here because of that ark. And so, so the ark for us, it, and uh, it is a type, really, of the Lord Jesus. And the river, uh, the river, and oftentimes in the Bible, it'll use water, ocean, you know, uh, bodies of water and all as uh, representing humanity. Remember, the Antichrist uh, says that the beast will come up out of the sea, uh, meaning out of humanity, out of uh the world's humanity, and so the so the river the river here uh, represents the culture the world system, and so that gives more significance to you about that statement. You need an ark for the river. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask you now to bless the message today, and Lord, we thank you for these graduates that are here. These that have basically grown up here in our church and they now have come to the place to where they'll be uh, stepping out into a new phase of their life so I pray that uh, Lord that you would guide and direct them and I pray that they they this morning that they will realize that they need an ark for the river they're they're beginning a new a new um, area now they're going into a new area they're going into a place where in many cases they'll no longer have parental supervision they will now be making choices on their own so i pray that you guide and direct in that and help them make the right choices and help them lord to stay in the ark as they step out into a new world and lord a, a culture that is that is against everything that we stand for, knowing that they'll have to make choices that will determine the future of their lives and also then, in some cases, maybe even the destiny of their lives. And I pray that you help me. I pray, Lord, you fill me with the Holy Spirit, give me clarity of thought and speech and make this message a blessing, but also make it a challenge and an inspiration to everyone that's here. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to look with me at um, chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1. And uh, first of all, verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Everyone that is born, ye shall cast into the river. Every son that is born, rather, ye shall cast into the river. And every daughter ye shall save alive. Then in chapter 2, and there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. <clears throat> and when she could no longer hide him, uh, she took for him an ark of bulrushes <clears throat> and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister, this is Moses' sister, stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, 
and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, <clears throat> Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto, said unto her, <clears throat> Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. This morning, we are honoring our graduating seniors. But I say that uh, I hope that what I say to them this morning will also that you will listen and take heed and and uh, also make uh, make the message helpful to you as well. I'm not just preaching to them; I'm preaching to them, but I'm also preaching to everyone that's here this morning. Graduation means to pass from one stage to another. The general thought of the word is to move to a higher stage. It's also sometimes called commencement. You're coming to your commencement, which means that you're not at the end of the journey, you're at the be beginning of the journey. It is a commencement, and you're moving from this stage in your life to another stage. You're beginning a new adventure. As I was thinking and, and praying about what the Lord would have me to say that would hopefully uh, make a, a lasting impression on on your heart and to give you something uh, to come back to all through the years of your life. My attention was drawn to a very familiar character in the Bible. His name is Moses. Now Moses has to be one of the greatest characters in the Bible. In fact, in the history of the world, every list, even by secularists, when they list the men or the people who have made the greatest impact on civilization, always without fail, Moses will be in that list. He's one of the, one of the greatest men that ever lived. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Moses is listed over 700 times in the Bible. He's mentioned in, all, mentioned in 31 of the 66 books of the Bible. So I want us to take some lessons from the life of this man Moses, and I want to try to give you some, uh, some things that will help you in your, your journey of life as you begin. There are some words that come to mind as I think about Moses, and the first word that comes to my mind is the word preservation. Preservation. We, we have here in the Bible a remarkable story of how this man Moses was preserved. 
we, we read about how Pharaoh had issued the edict that uh, all the boy babies that would be born were to be thrown in the Nile River. They, they would be killed, destroyed. But you, we see here the remar remarkable story of how um, Moses' parents preserved him. He was preserved by the efforts of his mother and his father. Though these verses I've read don't give their name, <clears throat> we do find their names in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. We're told that their names are Amram, the father, and Jochebed, the mother. You may not have ever heard those names before. I'm pretty sure you probably have not named any of your children after them. Uh, you, there may be some of this morning that you got to breakfast and you said, and maybe you said to your husband this morning, I sure hope the preacher today preaches about Amram and Jochebed. So if you did, you're in good, you're in good luck. That's what I'm going to do. They're not very well known. William and Mary were not too well known either. They had a son named Bill who was floundering somewhat in school and and so they put him in a school for exceptional children in Seattle, Washington. They encouraged him, and even at great expense, they bought him a computer. <clears throat> they suggested to him that, <clears throat> that perhaps since he had seeming, uh, seemingly <clears throat> uh, great skills in this direction, <clears throat> that he might want to think about starting his own company. Now, you don't know William and Mary, probably, but most of you have heard the name Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft and one of the richest men in the world. Little known parents with a famous child. Amram and Jochebed are little known, and yet they had a famous son whose name was Moses. We're told several things about this particular family. We know, for instance, from uh, the first chapter of Exodus here that they're down in the land of Egypt. They're slaves. They are, they're in captivity in Egypt. We're told here in the first chapter, the eighth verse, that there rose a king down in Egypt who did not know Joseph. Joseph, a type of the Lord Jesus. We're living in a world today, for the most part, that does not know Jesus. You're not going to move out into the world where Jesus is loved and where the name of Jesus is honored. There was a generation that knew not Joseph, and there is a generation today that knows not Jesus. When you come to the last verse of the first chapter we're told about a deadly decree of the Egyptian Pharaoh and that decree was that every boy child of the Israelites was to be cast into the crocodile infested Nile River that was the deadly decree the Bible tells us that to Amram and Jochebed there was going to be born a child in those very very difficult times now, Amram and Jochebed had great faith in God. The Bible says the baby was born, 
And the second verse here says that he was a goodly child. Uh, that word goodly means more than usual or better, better than or higher or uh, a degree more than usual. Exceptional. Exceptional is a good word uh, for that. He, I don't know how it was that they uh, recognized that. Maybe God just revealed it to them. But they recognized that he was a goodly child. We're told that that means that he was special to God. Young people, did you know that you are special to God? <clears throat> it means that God, God had a great plan for Moses. And do you know that God has a great plan for you? <clears throat> You know, I think since you're sitting on the first row, the front row here today, I think you ought to say amen every once in a while, you know. <clears throat> That's one of the requirements of sitting in the front. You got to say amen. Now, this mother, <clears throat> Jochebed, she did what all mothers want to do. She made an effort to shelter her son. The Bible says she hid her son for three months. And at the end of three months, when she found that the boy could not be hidden, she decided something else had to be done. Now, as a parent, I understand. I understand the desire on the part of parents to shelter their children. And I, and I know and I understand why, why some of you parents make some of the decisions that you, that you make. You're doing it because you love your child so desperately and you want to keep them out of the dangerous river of the culture in which we live. But sooner or later, parents, these young people are going to go out into a river of destruction that's dedicated to ruining and wrecking and marring and staining and destroying the life of your children. We're living in a culture today that absolutely hates our children. And they're trying their best. And I mean, in our, in our culture, it's coming from every direction. This war against children, against our children. And I can imagine these parents, they begin to search through what they had of the Bible in that day, only... only uh, Parts of the Old Testament scripture hadn't, hadn't been written uh, at that time. Their, uh, the, the word of God that, that they were getting was verbally, it was just passed on down because Moses would not write the first five books of the Bible until just preceding the time that they're to go into the promised land when Moses was still alive. But, uh, but I'm sure that that as they thought about uh, in the past, and I'm sure that they came up with the account of Noah and the fact that God said, Noah, there's going to come a flood. God told Noah to prepare an ark for the saving of the family. And I can imagine that Moses' parents thought, well, now they knew that they knew what Noah's ark was. It was not, you know, some little thing you could put a baby in, but but, uh, but I think that maybe gave them the idea 
That's what we ought to do. We can't keep this child from going into the Nile River, but before he goes in the river, we'll be sure to get him in an ark. They took that precious little boy, Jesus, or Moses, they put him down in the ark, and then they put the ark in the river. Moses was in the river, but he was in the ark, a type of Christ. And that's exactly what you need to do for your boys and girls. We can't keep them out of the culture, but we can keep them in the ark. We can put them in the ark. Get them, get them, get those boys and girls, get those children in a church where they'll hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Win them to Christ at an early age. Young people, I'm saying to you that the only thing that'll keep you safe in the rivers of culture that you're getting ready to swim will be the fact that you're in the ark of safety, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ who can carry you through. It's Christ who ultimately can shelter you from the problems and difficulties that undoubtedly come your way. One more time this morning, young people, graduates, I plead. One more time, I say to you, high school seniors, are you sure you're in the ark? Are you sure? And to all of you here this morning, are you sure you're in the ark? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, then get in the ark of safety today before you head out into the river, the river now. That's what I say to everybody in this building. <clears throat> That's your only hope. Once you get into the ark of safety, you're, you're then, you are God's child forever. You're going to heaven when you die. Get in that ark. Get in the ark of safety. And when I think about Moses, when I think about you, I think about another word. I think about the word education. You know the story here. This is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. And at this point in the story, it takes a beautiful turn. Now, they put Moses in the ark in the Nile River. Then we're told that Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the Nile River. Evidently, they had a, a special pool of some kind there uh, for her. And as Pharaoh's daughter looked out, she saw this little ark sitting alone in the bulrushes. So she sent one of her maids out to get the little ark, and when they brought that ark back to Pharaoh's daughter, the Bible says in the verses we read a while ago that she opened up that ark, and that at that moment, little Moses began to cry. And Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on him. Now notice what God's done. This is kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, like uh, in your face, Satan, isn't it? You know, uh, some years ago, some of the signs that we put on, on our sign out there, some of the messages we put on the sign, we got a reputation around town as having an in your face message board out there. Well, boy, I, you know, I read this and I think, boy, God is rubbing it in on you, devil. Look at what God, look at what God is doing here. God has brought together a little baby's cry and a woman's heart. 
And when a baby's crying, a woman's heart are on a collision course, it's no contest for the woman. The little baby will win every time. And about that time, here comes Miriam, Moses' older sister. And she said, you need somebody to take care of this little baby? She said, I do. Miriam takes little Moses right back to her own mother. You see, God is just smearing it all over the devil, boy. You can just see God working in, the, in this thing. I mean, uh, not only is Jochebed going to be able to take care of Moses, She's also going to be paid for it. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine when, when they got little baby Moses back into that little slave hut and they closed the door? You can imagine all the shouting and rejoicing that must have gone on in that little slave hut down there in Egypt. They were going to have an opportunity to provide Moses a spiritual education. God bless you parents who have provided a spiritual education for your children. Some of you high school seniors, you've been blessed to have moms and dads who brought you to God's house. They've taught you the scriptures in the home. They provided you a spiritual education. I, I was thrilled when Brother Joy a while ago was saying that you guys have been under his tutelage for four years. The, the, uh, teaching that 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 you received from him and uh, and from Stacy that the example that they have been to you uh, you can never discount their influence on your lives what a what a and what a privilege what a blessing as well as responsibility that that we have as teachers Sunday school teachers that the, the job that we're having, the influence that we that we're that we can have on on these uh, young people as they are here in our church and in our Sunday school. Uh, thank God for them as well as for your parents. And I realize that sometimes young people, we have young people here in our in our church. They don't have Christian parents. They come alone. They come alone to our services. And, and so we try, we try as a church to assist families in the rearing of their children. And, and even when it's just a child, the families are not coming. We, we do our best to try to uh, teach these children, these young people here, the word of God. We're we're known. It's not something that we are we you know that we deliberately said you know we want to be known for this, but but we are known according to uh, people that are not a part of, of our ministry or anything. We are known uh, throughout this area as a church that that loves children, and we have a strong children's ministry and young people's ministry. We put a lot of emphasis on our on our children on our young people here. That's why we have Bible school. That's why we have youth camps. That's why we have uh, youth rallies. It's why we uh, go to all the, uh, I would say trouble. It's not trouble for us, but all we go to all that we do uh, in order to uh, bring our children, our young people, do our part anyway and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
if if I if I was a parent or a young people living in this area and I did not and I was not a member of Central Baptist Church, I wouldn't let another day go by before I rushed over here and became a member of this church. Amen. Now that's a good place for you young people to say amen. Amen. I said a while ago, young people, did you know that God loves you? Did you know that you're special to God? Did you know that you're somebody to God? When I was thinking, I, thinking over here about, about uh, the things that obviously Moses would have had to been taught when he was very young, I think when you wrap it all up, there were basically two, two lessons. I think one of the lessons... They taught Moses was, first of all, who he was. I think they wanted Moses to know that he was special. I think they wanted him to know that he was very unique, that he was somebody. And the question a while ago, did, did you know that you are somebody, that you're somebody special? Do you know that you are unique? There ain't nobody else like you in all the world. Do you know you have a unique set of fingerprints? Nobody else has that same set of fingerprints. Of all the billions of people on the earth, you are unique, you're special. I have a feeling that Moses' mom and dad said to him all along, Moses, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Don't ever forget who you are. And I think the second lesson they taught him was who God is. I think they said to him, Moses, your God is Elohim, the creator God, your God, the covenant promise-keeping God. Your God is the only true God there really is. The day came when a knock came on the door of the hut. It was time to take Moses into the palace of the Pharaoh. I can almost imagine they leaned down to, to the ear of little boy Moses <clears throat> and once again said to him, Moses, <clears throat> wherever you go, <clears throat> don't ever forget who you are. And don't ever forget who God is. <clears throat> Moses had his spiritual education. Now he's going to get his formal education. When Moses is taken to the palace, <clears throat> he finds himself in a different world socially. He's now living in the palace of the Pharaoh. <clears throat> I think um, there would be times that Moses in those social circles in which he now moved, he'd have temptations that would come along and, and hear the voice of his parents in his ear. <clears throat> Moses, don't ever forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Young people, remember who you are. Remember who you are. There are some places that Christian young people should not go. There are some books that Christian young people should not read. There are some people that Christian young people should not admire and should not associate with. Remember who you are. You can't get away from it. Wherever you go, <clears throat> you represent your parents, you represent your Sunday school teachers, you represent the people of Central Baptist Church, 
You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget who you are. Then the time comes for him to go to the University of Heliopolis. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 7 that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. 10,000 students from all over the world were at the University of Heliopolis. It was the Harvard of the day. <clears throat> the finest education possible to any young person on the earth could be found at this university. There he was. I want to remind you that the Egyptian empire at that time was the greatest empire on the face of the earth. These people ruled the world at that time. <clears throat> they, were, they were so advanced in so many areas. <clears throat> they were advanced in astronomy, for instance. They discovered the solar system. <clears throat> the Egyptians are the ones who divided the year into 12 months and the month into 30 days. They were advanced in chemistry. Their processes of embalming the dead are phenomenal when you consider the ancient civilization which was theirs. They were, they were advanced in their perfection of colors. They're known for their, uh, the brightness of their colors to this very day. We still wonder in amazement at how they can make colors so bright. They built the pyramids, which is still today one of the greatest achievements of engineering ever accomplished. They had the finest, available, uh, finest education available for the day. But there's one thing missing in their education. They had no knowledge of the true God. They had their gods. They worshiped cows. They worshiped crocodiles. They worshiped frogs, flies. Anything you think of, they worshiped. They had, they had a God. You say, well, how primitive. Yeah, but we're not far behind them here in the United States, my friend. I can imagine some professor with a PhD stood up in front of the class one day and said, remember, young people, once, a, once upon a time there was a little white worm that wiggled its way out of the Nile River, and that's where you came from. That's your ancestor. I can almost imagine Moses, who heard his parents whispering in his ear, no, son, you remember who God is, the creator. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and God made man and woman in the beginning. <clears throat> young men, young ladies, you're going to hear a lot of things. You're going to be exposed to an educational system in some settings that's totally devoid of any knowledge of God. Our public school system here in America now is so anti-God and anti-Bible, anti-Christian that it, it's, you, 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 wonder, you have to wonder, how did we come to this? How did we come to this? If you're going on to higher education, you, you already have been exposed, but if you were in public school, but 
you're going on into higher education, uh, you're definitely going to be taught evolution as a fact, not as a theory. And where they will absolutely refuse to, to even mention the concept of uh, creation, God's creation, that there's an intelligent creator behind all of this complexity that we know as our universe. <clears throat> You're going to be taught all this just happened. It was a big bang, big explosion. <clears throat> and it just happened. But in all this, you keep in mind who God is. <clears throat> There's the God who created you. There's the God who saved you. <clears throat> Another thing when I think about Moses, I think about his preservation. He got in the ark before he went in the river. Be sure you're in the ark. <clears throat> Don't go out into the river, into the culture, unless you are in the ark. So I think about his education, his spiritual and formal education. Then, <clears throat> then I also think about his affirmation. And I know the time, but we had a long song service today, so, so I get a few more minutes. <clears throat> but I'll try to hurry through, through, through this last here, this last point. Uh, to get what you have, what, what I'm thinking of at this point, you have to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. In other words, what's going to become of Moses now? What will he be? What kind of person is he going to be given all these advantages he has? How's Moses going to turn out? What decisions will he make at this juncture in his career? Now, you've you got to remember, he's been here since just a boy, just since a child. And he's been subjected to all of this godless philosophy. All of all of the all of the uh, heathen pagan concepts of of that culture, that <clears throat> society. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verse twenty-four to twenty-seven, there's some words here that tell us about the choices that Moses made. They're the same choices I pray that you'll make as well. For instance, the first word I run into is in verse 24. It says, by faith Moses, when he's come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, Pharaoh, uh, refused has a negative ring to it. That's the negative side. He chose to refuse. Did you know that Moses, have you stopped to think about that Moses was set up to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. He was the only son in the family. <clears throat> Everything was prepared with that in mind that he was going to step into the position of the ruler of the entire land. Yet the day came when Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. I come from the Hebrews. I can imagine if they'd had newspaper that day, the front page news would have been, Moses refuses the throne. I can see him now as he turns his back on Egypt. He's been up close to the culture of Egypt. He's been there. He's, been, he's done that. He knew the godless culture, the atheistic philosophy, that was the culture of the day, his day. 
I can see him as he refuses. I can picture in my mind as he walks out of the gates of the palace, and I can almost hear him singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. And I'm going to ask you this morning to make a choice. Choose to say no to the godless culture in which you're going to live. It happens. Some of you, especially you Gators fans, remember Danny Werfel, one of the greatest football players <clears throat> that ever went through the University of Florida. He, in fact, he won the Heisman Trophy as the greatest football player in America. So you remember what a great quarterback he was. He, um, in addition to winning the Heisman Trophy, he was, he was selected to be on the Playboy All-American team. But Danny Werfel de declined because he didn't want his name to be identified with that kind of a publication. Amen. Amen. Praise God for somebody that's got that kind of courage. You know what? It's still happening. We still got some young people who are saying no to this whole world. We still got young people who've got convictions. I want to encourage you to stand by your convictions. You're, you're going to be tested. <clears throat> and I was thinking about when Brother Joy was talking about the fact that there, there are things that young people face today that, that you know, didn't even have that when I was a young person. They're faced with a great deal more today than we ever thought about being faced with when I was a teenager. So we need, we need young people to have the courage to say no, to be a part of a Christian culture that will infiltrate this old godless world and, and live with the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to sell your brains to be a Christian. You can be an intelligent Christian who's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. He refused. Now, I've got to hurry here. Uh, <clears throat> the second word, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Now, that has a positive ring to it. It's not just enough to refuse, but you've got to choose. He made up his mind he would go with God. He made up his mind he would journey with Jesus. Make up your mind this morning. Choose. Choose. There are two other words. I don't have the time really to uh, get into them. Verse 27 says that by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of King, for he endured as seeing him who's in the He endured seeing. These words have a superlative ring about them. The Bible says that one day when you and I get to heaven, <clears throat> we'll hear the choirs of heaven singing the song of Moses, the servant of God and of the Lamb, singing about Moses in heaven. It really doesn't matter, young people, whether the world knows you or not. All that really matters is whether heaven looks down and says, do you see Isaiah, do you see Jacob, do you, do you see Hunter, 
these are special. These are special young people. They're serving me. One of these days, <clears throat> I'm going to welcome through the gates of heaven. So my, my encouragement to you today, my advice, my challenge to you, <clears throat> don't go into the river without the harp. I'm going to ask you to stand, please, with your heads bowed. Now, Heavenly Father, I ask you to bless the invitation time. I pray to the Lord you speak to every heart. May each of us do what you would have us to do. If there's someone here today without Christ, they've never been saved, they're not in the ark, I pray that you'll help them to come and let us show them from your word how they can be saved and how they can know when they die they'll go to heaven. If they're Christians and need to come rededicate their life, I pray you'll help them to come. May, may each of us, Lord, respond to the invitation that you've given. May each of us respond in a positive way to, to meet the needs that we that we each of us have in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing a verse of invitation song, we invite you to come this morning. If God's spoken to your heart, would you come? Just as I am Lamb of God, I come. How about you this morning? Would you come while some are here at the altar and we're waiting? Would you come right now? Just as I am the tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without. ask you to bow your heads. We won't sing anymore, but while the musician continue to play, how about you this morning? Would you come?